Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Today is, uh, it, it can be and maybe feels like a little bit of a sober message because I'm going to talk about something that, uh, that is, it, it, can, it can hit us right at the center of our hearts because we don't talk about it a whole lot today. And, and I, maybe some of you today need to hear what I'm going to say today. Some of you might be right where I'm at today and, and I'll tell you what I'm talking about in just a moment. Maybe it won't apply to, to you today, but I'm telling you this, someday it will apply to you. We've been looking at this series but I, I, of, of building your faith and strengthening your faith. And it's been about, come on, come on, let's lift our eyes. Come on, we're going to build our faith. We're going to take steps of faith. We're going to take risks. We're going to move forward. But today, I'm going to talk about something that maybe, maybe would connect with maybe many of you moms today, many of you dads today, singles or college age or teenagers. I don't know what that may be. But the reality is I'm going to talk to you today about how do you continue to build your faith when you feel like quitting. What do you do when you feel like raising the white flag? It'd be silly for us to think that our Christian pathway in life is all about being healthy, wealthy, and wise. And, and, and every, every picture of our journey in faith is us running through the, the field of sunflowers, you know. Or the blue bonnets or whatever it may be. Did you, did you guys like that run I just did? I don't know. That was, that was beautiful. My apologies on that. To think that somehow the pressure of life and somehow the, the pain of life wouldn't get to us. Because at some point on your journey of building your faith, of walking with God and, and pushing forward and leaning into His grace, at some point you might come to the place where you say, you know, I can't do this anymore. Maybe you feel empty, maybe you feel worn out, maybe you feel depressed, discouraged. Maybe for some of you, this is the most difficult year of your life or difficult last two years of your life. Maybe you feel more connected to God five years ago than what you do today. And you're like, what in the world has happened? I, I, don't, I don't have that sense of the, of the presence of God like I used to. And I, I, I'm trying to build my faith, but I feel empty. I, I feel dry. For some of you, maybe you, you faced the worst news of your life over the last couple years. Maybe it was the word cancer. Maybe there was a death in your family. You lost a loved one. Maybe you were cheated on. Maybe there was a sense of betrayal. And maybe, or maybe you find yourself in the midst of mistakes and compromise, and you're thinking, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got here today. Wherever you are today, I want to give you hope. I want you to know this, that God is with you, that God loves you, and God cares for you. And I want to give us some keys today that as we're running our race, as we're pressing on, I wish I could tell you that the Christian life, man, is just all of, if you just serve Jesus, you know, it's like Disneyland for the rest of your life. With no lines. Everyone gets a, gets a, gets a fast pass if you're a Christian. It ain't that. So how do you persevere? How do you keep building your faith when you feel like throwing in the towel? I want to give you some keys today that are just very practical, very simple keys on how 
you can do that. But before we get into that, I'm gonna, the, the basis of today's scripture is a very well-known scripture for a lot of Christians. If you're, if you're not a Christian, you're new, maybe this is new to you. But I love how, this, how the Bible kind of lays out this idea about we're running a race. And, and the writer of Hebrews says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, in other words, there are people who have gone on before us who are, who are who they're watching us, they're, they're, they're cheering us on, and there's a sense that they're wanting us to succeed. They're wanting us to carry the baton they passed to us when they died and went on, that we're still pressing forward and carrying the faith and building our faith. It says, as they're watching us, let us throw off everything. I want to say everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here's the key on this first point is I want you to look at this last point here. If we're going to run the race that is marked out for us. So in other words, number one, and I'll explain in just a moment, one of the keys of how do, how do you run your race or keep building your faith when you feel like quitting is number one, you got to focus on what matters the most. you got to focus on what matters the most. And I, I, think, I think one of the biggest things that hinders us from running our race and building our faith is this simple but really loaded word that's called distraction. Anyone ever been distracted ever? You're like, I'm sorry, I was on Facebook. What would you say? And, and the writer of Hebrews says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Th this, this whole word here is hinders. Most of us, when, most people who preach on this, they talk about the sin. Man, you got to get sin out of your life. You got I'm not saying we don't deal with that. But I want to deal with this word, this, this one here. Anything that hinders you. The Bible says get rid of that which hinders you. That keeps you from running your race. And so this may not be a sin. It may not be sin. And so in other words, if anything gets in the way, if anything keeps you from running the race that God's marked out from you, you, you need to get rid of it. You need to throw it off. You need to deal with it. And all of us have a different life to live. All of us have a different race to run. All of us have, have, have there's, a, there's a uniqueness about us that God's called you. And, and as we pointed out before, that there is a race that's been marked out for you. Everyone say me. So there's something unique for you. Just like every one of these children that we dedicated this morning was unique. They, they, their DNA was unique. Their, their personality is unique. God's plan for their life is unique. It's, it's unique. That's why I prayed that, that, that none of us would try to impose our will onto them. That we would only want to impose the will of God onto them. Because God knows the world doesn't need another Jason King. Everybody say amen to that. But it needs people who were called by God to be something, to be that. So God's marked this race out for us. And, but the problem is other people, one of the distractions is that other people want you to run their race. Other people want you to spend your life trying to run another person's race. What, what expectations from what your parents put on you, what, what someone else put on you, what some, some pastor put on you a while ago or a long time ago or so, some book you read. And, and you're like, i got to be like this, i got to be like that. And you go through life never feeling the freshness and the joy. And when you wake up in the morning, like, man, this is what I was made to do. I was made to run this race today. You never feel that because you're always in tension because you're trying to run someone else's race. You're getting your from somebody else and not from, who, from whom God has made you to be. 
And you never, it never feels right. It never really clicks. It never really happens. And you're running this race that everyone else wants you, wants you to, to, to run. And you feel miserable and you don't feel joy and you don't feel peace. And I'm not talking about morality that you've been taught. I'm not talking about when people told you the best way is God's way. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pressures to be a certain way that your peers would put on you. Maybe family put on you. Or the people you work with or your friends or well-meaning people who put all kinds of expectations on you. They actually come, become distractions because instead of you running your race, you're running someone else's race. And therefore you're distracted. And so you're going to get off course on your race. And you can only live the life that God marked out for you. It's the only place you'll find joy. It's the only place where you, you'll wake up in the morning and you'll feel this freedom of your spirit in your heart. is if you run the, the race that God has called you to run. Then there's the other side is you, you then you run your race trying to run like someone else's. So instead of you trying to please everybody because the pressures they put on you, then you just wake up and you, you're trying to be like everybody else. This is the comparison game. Everybody's comparing all the time. And especially for you, mom, you moms, you you got you to struggle with this comparison because everywhere you look, there's somebody that's doing something. You always think, oh, my gosh, I wish, my, man, that mom's such a good cook. How come I can't cook like that? That what, They're a better designer. How come, how come I'm not more like Joanna Gaines? I, I mean, what, she's just like Joanna Gaines. She, they have shiplap in their house. Or how come I'm not like the pioneer woman? You know, Susan's just like the red-headed pioneer woman. How come I can't be like that? Or that one prays more. That mama, she has more patience with her kids. And that one looks good at 6 a.m. In yoga pants, she looks good. She serves on the PTA. She helps serve and cook. And so, uh, you're like, my gosh, that one has a blog and a YouTube makeup channel. I don't even know how to use YouTube. And you're comparing all the time. And you're distracted from the joy of the race that God has for you. The rest of us, we live the comparison life. About We compare successes, or we compare houses, we compare debts, or I'm in no debt, by golly. And then we think, well, I'm in debt, and what am I, you're not in debt, so therefore you just be better than me. We, we compare children and churches, and, and the comparison, we lose the beauty and the power of the uniqueness that God's called us, and he's marked for us to run this race that he's marked out for us. I get the same pressure. People want me to be something. Want me to, to be more passionate about this, to be pa more passionate about that, and more, more passionate about that. This is my answer to that. No. This is, this is what I determined. I think if, like, in this instance, if I, God's called me to pastor this church, it's the greatest honor of my life to do that. Here's the reality. I, I believe that the best thing I can be for Faith Bible Chapel is me. That's what I believe. I believe the best thing that you can be for where God has placed you is you. It's the best thing you can be. I like to surround myself with different people who are nothing like me, smarter than me. It's not, that's not hard. But, you know, you find about a lot of other people. I like people that flow in this, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't have those gifts. I'm like, man, they do. Come on, get a load of them. Let them pray for you. 
That's what I like. I, but, but I'm called to be me, and you're called to be you. And the, if the moment that you start thinking, okay, maybe I need to be more like so-and-so. I need to be more passionate about this and more passionate. God's over here. But I put these passions in your heart, son. Are you going to follow them? Are you going to do them? Are you going to live the counterfeit life and try to be like somebody else? There was a quote I heard a long time ago. It says, everybody is born an original, but most people die a copy. God has, a, God has a race marked out for you to run and to live. And we need to focus on what matters the most. And that is, God, I set my sights on the race that you called me to run. My race that you called me to run. And the key to finishing the good, uh, this good race is really to simplify your, night, your life. Cut back on distractions. Get rid of baggage. Remove diversions. Eliminate distractions. The time wasters in your life, that we all have them. We all have time wasters that keep our lives from being the best that God wants them to be. There are things that will distract you from your life mission, from your life purpose. For me, man, I wake up in the morning, I think, God, if you could use me to reach one more person for Christ. Get one more person into heaven. One more saved from hell. God, just let me do that. That's me. I, 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 I'm passionate about that. And the moment, if I was to say, I know, I know, maybe I should be more about, Lord, I, let, I, let's get one more child fed. Now, there's nothing wrong with feeding children. I'm passionate about that. But my number one passion in my heart is reaching people for Jesus and then helping them on their journey to their next step to become disciples of Christ. That's my passion. Now, your passion is feeding the hungry, then by golly, you better go feed the hungry because you got a race to run. It's called the body of Christ. If you run your race, I'm going to run my race. You run your race together as a community of faith. Bible chapel, we are running together, serving our community, transforming the world, and being fully joyful and present and happy because we are being true to what God's called us to be. Amen to that. But this distraction, one of the biggest distractions that you're probably going to have is probably the guilt of the past. You're going to have the sin of the past. It's always going to come speaking in your ear to telling you, this is what you, no, 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 you can't be that because remember what you were, remember what you did. You're loaded down with guilt and, and then there's not only that, remember what you did, but remember what they did to you. Guilt and resentment and unforgiveness, it weighs us down. We rehearse. We say, God can't use me because I, I made a bad decision. I made a bad financial decision. I, I got a divorce. And my life's over. God can never use me. When you walk around with this guilt and resentment and shame and bitterness on your life, you're never able to run that race. It's like you're weighed down. And God wants you to release that and to focus on what matters. And what matters is that he sent his son to die a horrific death on a cross so that you could be set free. You could be, your old nature is gone. That all things would become new and you could live your life to the glory of God. That's what he wants for you. That's his desire for you. So these distractions, we need to remove them by focusing on what matters most. Lifting our eyes to Jesus. Focus on, I'm going to run the race God's called me to run. I'm going to focus on the goals that God has for me. 
I'm going to let my past go like, like Paul did in Philippians 3. He said this, I'm forgetting what is behind, and I'm straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's a reward in something. There's a reward in heaven. There is something that's waiting for you, but he's seeking after the prize. But how does he pursue the prize? He forgets what is behind. And you might be sitting here, yeah, Jason, Jesus might forget what's behind, but people won't forget what's behind. And let me hear you, let, let me just, so, so what you're saying is this, is that people's opinion of you is greater and more powerful than God's purpose and opinion of you. Listen, no man or woman can thwart God's plan for your life. Zero. Amen? Receive that today. You need to hear that today. So we keep the main thing, the main thing. I'm going to run my race. Number two, how do we keep building when we feel like quitting? Is we need to fight off discouragement. We got to fight it off. It's an active act of our will. Fight off discouragement by the grace of God. We fight it off. I think discouragement is Satan's favorite tool in making you ineffective in building your faith and running your race. It, it, it does distract us. And we all have to resist discouragement. Don't give in to it. Come on, you just you lower your head into it and you keep pressing through. And the reality is this, we get discouraged because we're doing our best. And God, you're helping us, Lord, and the Lord's growing us. And we're being conformed to the image of God. And, and it's a process and we're growing and we're growing and we're growing. Galatians 6, 9, though, addresses this. It says, let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, we're going to reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. In other words, on the other side, on the other side of, of, of us doing, of doing what is right, on the other side of, of pushing discouragement aside, there is a reward, a harvest of blessing for us if we don't get discouraged. Notice it doesn't say don't get tired of doing what is right. It, 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 no, sorry. Notice it talks about getting tired from doing what is right. Because doing what is right is tiring. It, I'm you, it's a lot easier to get ticked off than it is to have self-control. Isn't it? It's a lot easier just to, just to pitch a fit and say, whoo, I feel a lot better. But then you're like, I also acted like a three-year-old. It's a lot easier to be undisciplined than it is to be disciplined. It's a lot easier to be nasty when your spouse is nasty. It's a lot easier to repay evil for evil. But guess what? Jesus comes. Jesus transforms us. We, we accept him in, into our lives. And we become followers of Jesus, and he begins to mold us and shape us. And then we have to constantly, Paul says, I crucify my flesh daily. Daily. It, it's tiring. And you can become weary in doing what is good. You can, maybe you might think, I mean, it's exhausting not telling somebody what you think about them. It's exhausting. It's hard to do what is right. And we can become weary. One, a lot of times we become weary because we do what is right and then we don't see an immediate result. Because we're looking for, we want the microwave faith. Boom, boom, boom. Now, there it is. Let's eat it. But it's not that way. You're sowing seed. It's, it's difficult. And once, well, I mean, let's just say you choose to be kind to your spouse that is nasty to you. 
Maybe you have a, believe, a, a, a spouse that's not a believer and, and you, you serve them and you're kind to them. And, and you're wanting to give up on them, but you keep serving them, you keep loving them. As scripture says, if you're married to an unbeliever, to serve them so that you might be a testimony of Jesus Christ and they could come to know Jesus Christ. That's hard. It's hard to buy faith, to, to sow your finances into the kingdom of God. It's hard because you're like, I want to see the result. I want to see the result now, 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 now. And you think, man, I, but I, I don't know. I could, I, you know, I really want to go to, on vacation this year. If I didn't give, then maybe I could go vacation. And, you know, I, uh, let's just see because that seems a lot easier because it's quicker. But we don't see that as we, as we just, as we sow, as we are faithful, as we don't get weary and tired. In other words, feel like quitting up, quitting on doing what is right. There is a blessing and a harvest that's coming for you. There's a blessing and a harvest coming for you. That's God's promise for you. And you can get discouraged along the way. I know that. It, it's tough. I, I, I know that. But we got to fight off discouragement. We're going to fight it off. Anything in this life that's worth anything is uphill. Think about it. Is it easy to have a, a good marriage? Answer me. Go ahead. You're like one of the spouses. Did you just say no? What are you talking about? <laughs> is it easy to be a good parent? No. Is it easy to give up your finances all the time? Yes or no? No. But are those things worthwhile? Yeah, they are. Think about it. Nothing in life worthwhile is easy. Is it easy to eat vegetables instead of pecan pie? No. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's difficult. And you can become weary and tired. In fact, I, I've been... I've had a great privilege of being in vocational ministry, and I haven't shared a lot of this at all with the church, but um, for 18 years, my, my wife and I have been doing full-time ministry. Do you know how many times I, I felt like I got um, discouraged and felt like resigning? I'm just being honest with you, along my journey, as a youth pastor, as a work for Youth for Christ, as a worship pastor, as a as missions pastor, as, uh, you know, about, what, about every Monday morning, I'm like, maybe I should write my letter today. I don't know. But I, the, the rea reality is this. You get discouraged in, in doing what, trying to do what you feel like God's called you to do. You get discouraged. And I think, I think for me, you know, someone else could do a better job than this. And the answer is probably, yeah, they can. But God didn't ask somebody else. He asked me. God didn't ask anybody to run your race. He asked you to run your race. He put you in that position. He placed you where you are. Don't let discouragement rob you from God's purpose and plan for your life. Run your race. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have discouragement. You're going to come through times and say, what am I doing? I mean, even King David had doubts. Even King David had discouragement. I mean, I mean this is a man after God's heart. He, I mean, David was like, he was, he, he was him and God. They were just, there was just this closeness and intimacy that he, you always saw together. And even David wrote in Psalm 94, he said, listen, when doubt fills my mind, God, you comfort, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. So doubts and discouragement, they're a part of your journey. 
doesn't mean you're less spiritual because you're, you're discouraged. It just means you're welcome to being human. And you fight off this doubt and discouragement by knowing and receiving fresh hope and joy from the Father. And being honest with him, saying, Lord, just like David did. Lord, I, David, I'm filled with doubts, but God, I, I want your comfort and I need your renewed hope. And I need your renewed joy today, God. Just clarify, God, reorient up my mind and my spirit so I can look to you and continue to run this race. Fight off discouragement. It's an act of your will. Number three. How do you build your faith when you feel like quitting is this. Focus on the reward ahead. Focus on the reward that's coming. Paul says this, and he's writing the church in Corinth. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. In other words, there, there's, this, there's, a, there's a training that they've been doing. They've been working on it. They do it to get a crown that will not last. And then he switches. So that's from the physical um, the physical realm, but then he switches to spirits, but we do it. In other words, we run our race. We continue to run our race that we're talking about today to stay faithful to God, to do what is right on a crown that will last forever. That's the reward. There is a crown that will last for, forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. In other words, he's saying, I run my race. I focus on the reward ahead. I don't get distracted from all these other things. Paul's saying, everything I do, I do it for the reward ahead. And there is a reward that's coming to you. When you get to heaven, everything that you've done in faith will be rewarded to you. But here's the problem. Many people think of God like this, is that he, he's keeping a tally of everything you've done wrong and everything you've done right. And then when you get to heaven, he's going to lay it out before you. Poof, and he's going to weigh it out. And so maybe if, if what you did right is a little bit higher than what, than what you did wrong, then you're going to get a reward. Actually, that is a, that's, that's a wrong way of thinking about God. If God, by his grace, cleansed you and forgave you from your sins, and you think he's still keeping track of your sins, when the Bible says that he chose to remember your sins no more, we have a conflicting view of who our God really is. God's going to reward you from the basis of this one word called grace. Called the goodness of God. Called God gave you everything. So that now you're going to be rewarded by everything you do by faith. Every word you speak by faith. Every, every act that you do by faith. Every thought that you think by faith. Everything that you do by faith. God, I'm doing this by faith because I'm anchoring my life to yours. I'm, I'm running my race that you marked out for me. By faith, I'm running that. And then when you get to heaven, you're going to be rewarded for what you did by faith faith. You need to remove this idea that somehow when you get to heaven, God's going to go back on his word. When it says, when he said, I removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west until you get to heaven. He didn't say until you get to heaven. Did you guys catch that? He said, this is what he said, I'm removing your sin from you as far as the east is from the west, period. Gone. It's gone. Don't live underneath this idea that, that he, he meets us with grace here, and then when we get to heaven, he doesn't. He, oh, no, 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 sorry, the blood of Jesus, I know that was just for, for the earth. No, he's going to say, listen, he's going to look at you. You are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. 
You are a new creation. He's going to look at you just like he looks at his son, Jesus Christ, which is mind-blowing. He loves you. He chose you. He, he picked you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what you're dealing with. And you, by faith, you're going to give your, you've given your life to Jesus to be covered by the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The penalty that you deserve was upon him. And you're going to step into heaven and God's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here's your reward. Amen. You need, to, you need to believe that today. It is all about grace. There is a reward that is waiting for you. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 12. He said, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. When you live by faith, when you focus on the reward, it will, it will help you to make decisions by faith on, the, on this earth. And you can focus your eyes on the reward. Focus on what matters. And fight off distraction. So, number four, how do you keep building your faith when you feel like quitting? You need to find a way to strengthen yourself every day. Find a way to strengthen yourself daily. And this is from a physical standpoint and from a spiritual standpoint. There was a mentor in my life in Bible college. His name was David Cook. And I was running, I was running crazy and busy, and I was a youth pastor and worked at the Bible college, and, and he, he's one of the best communicators I've ever heard in my life. He's a lot of the things that who I am today because of him. But I remember he said, he said, Jason, and he talks like this, Jason, I just I don't know why guys back, back in the day talked that, Jason, let me tell you something. Anyway, that's what he said. He said, some t he said the most spiritual thing that sometimes you can do is take a nap. Amen to that. Take a stinking nap. Lay down. Relax. And there's this physical and spiritual aspect of running this race that somehow we, we, we forget. That there's, there's really an art of strengthening and resting and being physically healthy and making time for yourself. Somehow we, we, we judge the value of who we are and how busy and how tired we are at the end of every day. See, I'm, boy, I'm a godly person because I'm exhausted. <laughs> what? I worked hard today and therefore I'm, you know, I'm something. But here's the deal. God has rest for you. God has peace for you. God has joy for you. I believe you can get more done resting in God than you can working like a crazy person. I really do. I'm not talking about laziness. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm talking about resting in God. Taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit in which you are. Psalm 127 says this. It's useless for you to work so hard. From early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. It, it's useless. For God gives rest to his loved ones. In other words, there is rest for you in the midst of you working. And it's useless for you to be anxiously working. Anxious. What this anxious means is you're, you're trusting in your own efforts for your provision and not God's. You're anxiously working. But God has rest for his loved ones. You're his loved ones. He has rest for you. He's inviting you into that rest. 
Yes, we're going to feel like quitting. We're going to feel like throwing in the towel. We're going to get exhausted. But let me tell you what exhaust or fatigue is really telling you. Fatigue is telling us that you're trying to be something that you're not. You're trying to be God. You're trying to carry the burdens. It reminds us, actually, that you're not God. Fatigue, if you're fatigued this morning, it's God, it's God saying, I'm just reminding you, you're not me. I'm reminding you that you're not all-powerful. I'm reminding you that you're not all-knowing. I'm reminding you, moms, that you can't be at every place at the same time, at all of your kids' stuff at the same time. I'm reminding you that you're human. That's what fatigue tells us. This knocks on the door and says, you're human. And God says, let me be God. Because there is some rest that I have for you. As many of us, we need to figure out how to have a balanced schedule. We've got to figure out how to, how to orchestrate our lives right. Just from a physical standpoint. We need to exercise. We need, whatever that may be. You've you got to do it. Because it's part of, of running the race well. It's part of it. But then there's the spiritual side as well, that we need to renew ourselves every day. Second Corinthians says our spirit is being renewed every day, day by day. There's a renewal that's, that's available for us. And we do this by spending time with God. We do it by, by pressing into God. We do it by recognizing God in our lives. We do it by, by resting and, and fixing our eyes on Him. And you're not, you're not command, you're not, you don't build your faith because you're commanded to build your faith. You don't build your faith because you heard this great message and now you want to build your faith. No, that's not how you do You don't keep running your race and become resilient and persistent and not quit because, because you were convinced intellectually that you can't quit. No, you do it by standing in awe of God. You do it by recognizing God is, He loves me, He cares for me, He's for me, He's not against me. This allows you to continue to run your race. That while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. This is about your efforts. This is about the effort that Christ has already given for you to run your race. Number five, how to keep building your faith when you feel like quitting is this. You need to remember that you do not run alone. These are very simple, very practical. And wherever you are today, you might feel alone. You might feel like quitting. You might feel like being discouraged. You might feel like throwing in the towel. You might, you might be rehearsing your mistakes even right now. And yeah, you're running a race. And yes, you're going after the reward. And yes, you're trying to focus on what matters. You're trying not to get distracted. Yet you're doing all those things. And by God's grace, he's helping you do that. Yes, you're trying to strengthen yourself every day. But the reality is this. There's going to feel times that there's going to be times you feel like you're totally alone. And God is, God is not in the stands. He's not up in, in some heavenly area watching you with the binoculars. He's with you. You don't run alone. You don't carry your burdens alone. His Spirit is on the track with you. He's filled you with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's made the presence of God known to you. You might be in pain. You might be running through the darkest time of, your, time of your life, darkest season. You might be in the lowest valley. But here's the thing. You are not alone. David says this, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. 
you're not alone. You might feel like this morning you're crawling, you're hurting, you're in pain, and you might be. The most important thing for you to remember today is that the Heavenly Father is with you. Psalm 118 says this, that the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What mere mortals would do to me. Listen, I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what people have said to you. I don't know what race you're trying to run that's not yours. I don't know the pain you're going through. But you need to hear this this morning. God is with you. Don't be afraid. What will mere mortals, what will man, what can man do to me? Because God is with me. Hebrews 13, 5 says this. He says that I will never fail you. God says I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. In other words, you are running this race that we read about in the beginning of this message. You are running this race and you are not alone. God is with you. He is running with you. And if God be for you, then who can be against you? I want to share with you just a quick story that really, I think, encapsulates this. And I think it gives a great picture of the Father running with us. And it's a, it's a story that I, that I read a while ago, and I saw the video a while ago, and I thought, you know, I'd like to use this at some point. I feel like today I'll use it. But there was a runner. His name was Derek Redman. He was a runner in, in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. And he was a part of the British, British Olympic team, and he was racing the 400 semi-final, and he had trained his whole life for this moment. He had waited for this time. He, this was it. He was there. He had planned for this. He had focused on what mattered. He had he would fought off discouragement at times when he wanted to give up, and he had focused on, on, on what the reward that was ahead, and he, and he had strengthened himself every day in this moment. He had ate right. He had, he, had, he had got the right rest, and he had taken care of everything, and he was running the race, and he was the favorite to win the race. And he had waited for this. He had dreamt of this. And this is what everything he had always wanted. And the gun went off and he, and he took off and he began to run. And he was hitting his stride and he was coming up along the side. And all the disciplines and all the right things he had done, man, they were working. This is what I've been waiting on. Here it is, baby. This is it. And as he was coming around the track, all of a sudden there was a pop in his back hamstring. And he began, he began to limp and, and, and he could not go on anymore. And he tried and he tried and, and, he, and he squatted down. Totally discouraged. And he tried to crawl for a little bit and, and it looked like he was all alone. And Derek Redmond was all alone. Running the race in the back, and he was starting to limp. But what he didn't see, that there was a, there was a daddy who was up in the stands. And there was a bit of a commotion up the top, and he became working his way down. And a guy named Jim Redman, beginning to make his way down to his son. And security was stopping him, and he was like, it ain't happening. He jumped over a wall, jumped over a barrier. Where his son thought he had all of his preparation, all of his time, all of his discipline was gone. And he thought he was alone in the back. But when he forgot, he wasn't running alone. His father was with him. I want to show you that video this morning, and then we'll close the service today.
You might feel like your life is over. You might feel like quitting. You might feel like, man, I'm just dragging. You might feel like you're all alone. But you're not alone. There's a promise for you that he, meaning God, who began a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful to get you across the line. He'll be faithful. When you got one leg, listen, he'll come underneath and he'll carry you. And you're, you're crying, you're like, God, why this happened to me? God, why this, why that person betray me? Why did I get cancer? Why did I get sick? Why did I get hurt? Why did I get, get disappointed? Why didn't I get that job? Why did I just feel like quit? I can't go anymore, God. And he said, I'm going to help you run your race. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Keep going forward. Be persistent. Don't quit. And by not quitting, you will continue to build your faith. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.